Hey, Ben, how's it going? Pretty well. How are you? Um, what's wrong with your voice? What do you mean? What's wrong with my voice? Oh, no. All right, look, we have to have a talk. There's a certain time in a podcaster's life where certain changes will come over them. Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series Reboot. I'm Jessica, a nostalgic. And I'm Ben, a skeptic. This is my first time watching this show. And I've been a fan for years. Each week, we'll take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, it's Mainframe's Got Talent with Talent Night. Or as I call it, Fever Dream. <laughs> so Ben, how are you doing this week? I'm doing okay. Went up to Ithaca last week, did Ooh. some fun stuff around there, did an escape room. Oh, I love escape rooms. Going to be heading down to New Jersey next week for my cousin's wedding. Fun. Uh, how about you? What's going on with you? Uh, I'm really busy at work. It's been driving me crazy, but oh well. Uh, but I did manage to sneak in a couple episodes of the new reboot, The Guardian Code, in my off time. Ooh, controversial. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hold off talking about it in depth on the podcast until I've watched the whole series. I just don't want to give early opinions. But my initial opinion that for what it is... It's not too bad. What it is is Power Rangers or <laughs> Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad or VR Troopers, take your pick. I've heard uh, Code Lyoko. I've heard. <laughs> I, you know, it's very much those shows. <laughs> and for being one of those shows, it's not bad. I mostly am confused as to why they decided to call it Reboot, but... I'm going to keep watching. We'll find out. I, I don't even, I haven't watched it myself either because I spend enough time putting this show together. So <laughs> You spend enough time in mainframe as it is. All right. Well, let's get started. Great. All right. So this is season one, episode 11, Talent Night. It first aired on January 7th, 1995. It was written by Lane Reichert and the story was by Gavin Blair, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Pearson. Shot one, Borg Cube. Or Rubik's Cube. That's what I saw, but... I watch less Star Trek, so. <laughs> well, as we zoom into it, it's waffle phone racing time. There's lots of madness going on here. We've got panels flipping around, these waffle phone race cars zooming about. we got balls popping up. This game looks like a lot of fun, actually. But I like how they kind of trick you into thinking it's a game in the sense that it's landed on mainframe and they are playing it. Mm -hmm. But then they all win and it's all binomes and no one seems to care whether or not they've actually won or not. Right. And I'll call out for a rematch. And this is where we learn it's not a game. It's Bob spending time with Enzo. Yeah, this is actually that circuit racing game that we've been hearing about. All the race cars end up touching the ball at the same time, and Enzo asks who won, and Bob's like, uh, good question. Who cares? <laughs> Rematch. Let's go. Right. Enzo gives this, like, sappy, thanks for spending time with me, Bob. Which is actually <laughs> sweet. We, uh, we come to find out that it's his first birthday, and uh, Bob and Dot are planning a surprise for him. Is it really his first birthday? I thought we established he was a few years old, at least early on. That might have just been me yeah. saying things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that might not have been the show. I don't think I realized it was his first birthday, so I guess he was, like, created at the age that he is, which is one. But, like, now nanoseconds take forever, so I wonder, like, how old is he in binary time, I guess? <laughs> a minute, maybe? <laughs> I feel like they say a minute and they mean like a really long time. Haven't seen you in a minute. <laughs> 
But yeah, so Bob tells Enzo to go on and start with Adam so he can give Dot a secret call to talk about the secret party they're throwing for him. Hey, you up? And we get to see that Dot's in front of a giant stage and behind schedule, which is very strange for her. Yeah, she's vetting acts along with a uh, representative from Standards and Practices. It is Emma C, the programming sensor. Is her name Emma C like a reference to something specific? Uh, everything I grab with regards to Emma is going to be from the reboot wiki. Okay. <laughs> so take it with a grain of salt. But Emma C could be a reference to someone they actually had to deal with at Programs and Standards. Yeah. Uh, she is, however, voiced by a familiar voice, okay. Stevie Valance, who is the voice of Mouse. Oh, it's Mouse. She's back. She's back. So Dot's behind schedule, the acts are terrible, and the ones that she does like are being rejected by the censor. Which, you know, that's just how it goes. It's a dirty job, but someone's gotta do it! Yeah, so Dot tasks Bob with keeping Enzo busy, and she gets back to judging auditions. We get a fun little acrobatic troupe, but the censor says no. But she doesn't say why, I guess because it's imitable behavior? Probably. Later on when we get the Village People parody... They'll talk about how fun is fun as long as they're safe. So, <laughs> and we send uh, we send our favorite Afro binome off into the sky as he steps onto a seesaw and is catapulted up, never to be seen again for fifteen minutes. Next up is a zero binome that looks like he's trying to poop. Yeah, I said that too. He's trying to take a particularly large dump, and then he just falls apart. Yep. He just, like, strains himself and collapses. Uh, And then is swept off stage by a janitor. Yeah, they just call out to Mike, like, really? Mike? I like when he first shows up and, like, Dot gives this kind of go-on face. You gonna do something? He's, like, standing there. She's like, "Mm?" (laughs) mm-hmm. For the next act, Mike introduces the Dire Straits music video, Money for Nothing. (laughs) Sal and Harv. Yeah. Which... Uh, we'll get into it a little bit later, but apparently is also a reference to Mainframe, the company, as well. So, Well, either way, Dot is not impressed, and neither is everyone else. They boo them and start throwing fruit. Yeah, immediately, as soon as they come up, which I thought was really funny, they literally didn't do anything. They just stood up. You suck! <laughs> Did you see Emma's pad has the same text on there from an earlier app? Yes. Uh, it says, place palm on reader, make choice, wait for door to open. Yes, it's the same text that we saw from back in uh, the Medusa code. And we still don't know what it is. We still don't know what it is. However, I'm going to take another guess. Last time we watched, I guessed that it was some type of reference to a fortune tell, like those old fortune telling machines. Right. This time, I'm going to guess that it's a reference to an automat. Okay. <laughs> those old like diners that you used to go to. I don't know why you'd have to put your hand anywhere, but you'd make the choice and you'd open the door and you'd get your food. So hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to keep guessing at things every time this shows up <laughs> until I get it right. We've got to be right one time. Who's next on stage? Next is Johnny Obino. He's a sleazy comedian with a fish tie. Who tells the longest binary joke ever. It was so long. It was so long. Like, I timed it on the watch. I was like, okay, it should stop here. It went on four times as long as it should have. It was so long. Uh, So this actually means something. The binome actually translates to something, which is probably why it's so long. Right. Because it translates? Okay. You got to kill your darlings there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was really funny for you guys. For everyone else, it was just some guy saying 1010 over and over again. Uh, Mm -hmm. What it actually translates to, though, is take my wife, please. My wife. (laughs) (laughs) But everyone else gets a huge kick out of it in the audience, except for Emma. She's like, there's kids in the audience. That's not appropriate. It was totally fine, Emma. Get with it. Well, <laughs> I think in the fiction it's supposed to be a dirty joke. Well, if in the fiction it's supposed to be a dirty joke, then don't make the take my wife joke. 
That was an Easter egg for all the nerds out there who were willing to translate it. <laughs> all the programmers thought it was hilarious. But next up, we get Al's waiter. What? Sans Al, because he's not on stage yet. And Emma immediately says no, which, again, they didn't do anything. He's got an accordion and pipes behind him. He plays this one long, sustained note. So, yeah, Dot asks why. Why can't he put him in the show? Because I can't stand him. (laughs) So what do we get instead? We get live null juggling. Which has apparently been banned. Which, yeah, it has apparently been banned, but is happening anyways, and everyone's kind of okay with it. This is all off the record. This was before everybody had, like, their cell phones out to record, you know, so there's no evidence. <laughs> we know at this point, though, that nulls are nullified sprites and binomes. So, I mean, like, these are people this clown on a unicycle starts inflating nulls like balloons twisting them up and you can hear them shrieking in pain everyone's horrified i know it's horrible (laughs) i was like what is happening (laughs) and then later on he's totally backstage so he totally got the job and i'm just like what is going on little miss censor she allowed it to go on because you know what they didn't show any tits so. they, didn't, they didn't make a, a 101 joke right so we cut to zerg in his lair he's watching all this go down on his view screen yeah he's stalking the the events at the diner and he wants six squads sent out scouting the activities because how dare they throw a party without him yeah he's he's just miffed that he wasn't invited he's such a maleficent Not invite me to your baby shower? When he chuckles to himself at the end of this scene, there's like this goofy little sitcom music cue that plays before it cuts to the next scene. (laughs) Did you hear that? I did not. It's like... And it's like so... uh, It's so anti any like uh, megabyte music. (laughs) I wonder if that was like a, a sound effect made for the next scene. The next scene is back with Bob and Enzo, and we're playing some kind of games across between lacrosse and Pong and the game from Ender's Game. So what we have is a glowing ball that bounces around them, which they try to catch in a cowbell-shaped device on their arm, and then shoot it towards the other person's goal. Yeah, so the cowbell thing is where I'm getting the lacrosse from. Uh, but they're definitely, like, floating, like in Zero-G. It's like they took uh, Fong's Pong stage and just stepped it up a few notches, you know? Yeah, like he's got, like, the old-school version. The classic 80s version. Exactly. But they're uh, mid-throw, and Bob gets interrupted by a visual of Megabyte. Hey, you up? Which causes him to get smacked in the head with the ball. Which Megabyte slyly goes, nice block, Bob. Seen Dot lately? <laughs> Megabyte with the booty calls. Not wanting Enzo to overhear, Bob pushes Enzo down the goal hole. Which is pretty hilarious, because it just sucks him in. And Megabyte starts grilling him about what's going on. He's like, hey, uh, just checking to see if my invitation maybe got lost in the mail or something. Uh, no pressure. You know? <laughs> and Bob, in no uncertain turns, tells him to go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> he like keeps looking at his nails. It's like he just got a manicure. Like, oh, I'm not really interested. <laughs> I'm not really mad that you guys didn't invite me. I don't have FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so he he tells him to bug off, and uh, Enzo shoots back out the tunnel, demands to know what's going on, but uh, Bob deflects, seeing if he wants to go to the data slide. But Enzo has had such a long day, he just wants to go back to the diner, get something to eat. Actually, Bob, I'm getting kind of hungry. Now, I have to ask you something here. What's that? Enzo's voice sounds weird. (laughs) It's been sounding a little bit off all episode, and... I'm kind of wondering, are we on second Enzo now? We are on second Enzo. 
Dun, dun, dun. This is so strange. We're, we only have a couple episodes left in the season. Why would they do it now? Well, my guess is probably puberty. That sudden, though? I could understand if it was between seasons. But yes, yeah, so this is actually our first episode starring Matthew Sinclair as Enzo. Uh, so, sorry, Jesse Moss. I guess your voice dropped. <laughs> So since you've now recognized that he has a new voice, I want to say I kind of like it a little bit better. No offense, Jesse. I'm going to disagree here. Yeah? It made him sound younger and whinier. It did make him sound younger, which I thought was an odd choice considering this is literally his birthday and he's getting older. Yes, he's supposed to be getting older and he sounds younger and he's like, oh, I'm super whiny. See, I didn't get a whiny voice out of it. Well, maybe it's because he was hungry and tired, you know, but. <laughs> he, he was literally whining, but he did have good reason. <laughs> Just have a Snickers. You're fine. <laughs> he gets a Snickers and he turns into the buff version <laughs> <laughs> with the eye patch and everything. <laughs> Bob swoops him away. Dinner. What dinner? You don't need dinner, kid. You're fine. Mm. And we're back to the auditions. Yeah. So now it's Fong's turn. He comes out to sing a song, but immediately forgets the words. He forgot the words to Unforgettable. Isn't it ironic? Also, he falls off the stage immediately afterwards. Yeah, I was going to ignore that. <laughs> But now, probably the best segment, uh, we get a group of binomes dressed like the village people. Yeah, we get the small town binomes. Coming out to sing B, S, and P. Cause we're living with B, S, and P. Yeah, we're living with B, S, and P. <laughs> to the tune of YMCA. It's fun to play in a non-violent way. <laughs> <laughs> I was really digging it. They did a really good job with it. I was really jamming out. It was fun. Even <laughs> M likes them. Yeah, yeah. It's the first act that both the censor and Dot can agree on. So. And then next up, we get another good one. Uh, we get the primitives, which is a cone, a cube, and a sphere. Pretty much the first things you learn how to model uh, yeah. when you're learning 3D modeling. Surprised you don't get a rubber duck in there, too. <laughs> and you're jamming out to like this fun, like jazzy sound. Yeah, they're like vibrating and flexing along to a song, and then they combine to form the reboot triangle circle logo. Then we get Dot going, oh, that's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I actually really enjoyed the primitives, too. I was like, oh, man. Really? This is, this is turning around. I could have done without that one. No, I really thought they were fun. But now we get a little treat. Uh, we get Captain Quirk, a William Shatner spoken word Rocket Man performance. <laughs> Zero hour, 9 a.m. It's going to be a long, long time. <laughs> he finishes up, his wig falls off, and he dematerializes in just, uh, you know, that perfect Captain Kirk way. Yes, the perfect Captain Kirk way. <laughs> I was waiting for him to come up. How did, how did you enjoy our, our, our second captain showing up? Actually, I have something to say about that, but we'll get to it when, when it pops up. All right, sounds good. All right, so behind the scenes, the spinomes are back checking out the situation, and uh, there's uh, apparently an irritable backdrop. Yeah, I thought the irritable backdrop was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> and they're sneaking around, except the irritable backdrop raises right as they're sneaking. And so now they've got to put in an act. Yeah, they wandered on stage by accident, and uh, so one of them starts breakdancing to Billie Jean while the other ones just kind of back away in fear. Which, you know, not bad. Dot's not a fan, but Emma likes them, so they get booked. Yeah, Emma's impressed. <laughs> Much to Dot's chagrin. And a Megabyte checks in, So, uh, and uh, Spy Guy, once again, tries to clue him in using code phrases, which go over his head. But at least he doesn't electrocute them this time. So, Guys, get a hint. He doesn't do the code phrases. <laughs> He's still too busy looking at his nails, you know? <laughs> Just blowing. <laughs> but uh, Megabyte gets all the info on the celebratory activities. 
and tells them to prepare for Operation Plan Code 214. 214? <laughs> yeah, all the binomes react in horror except for one. I kind of like that one. I kind of got a kick out of the fact that it was Operation Plan Code. It feels like <laughs> you, you could have just picked one of those words and it would have been fine. The Department of Redundancy Department. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Megabyte is very pleased that everyone is gathered together in one place at the same time. It's perfect. Time for maniacal laughter. <laughs> <laughs> but we meet up with Bob and Enzo at the water park. Enzo's pooped. He's offline. Shut down. End of file. Bob's not hearing any of this whining. He just throws him right down the slide anyways because he's got a call from Dot. And she says that everyone's there, but they're not ready yet. Bob says he doesn't know how long he can hold them off. And oh, by the way, he's headed your way (laughs) right now. Uh, So he hangs up with Dot just in time to catch the Afro binome as he finally lands in Bob's arms. Ooh, er. So Enzo arrives commenting on all the traffic and weaving himself through the population of Mainframe who are all just gathered around chatting. Um, So here I actually noticed that there is a binome who's dressed like Captain Kirk who is not the William Shatner binome, oddly. Really? Yeah. He's dressed in like the Starfleet Captain Kirk uniform. He has like the flippy Kirk hair. He's very obviously not the old William Shatner spoken word guy. I'll have to take a look. Gee, there's so many people in that party. So there's also another strange-looking binome who says, uh, Certainly, sir, will 64 gallons be sufficient? Yes, that's a reference we'll talk about later. Uh, If you recognize the binome, he's one of the ones from um, the evolution chart. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, That kind of reminds me of the early Bob videos. Right. Uh, And we also get to see the largest, I don't know if he's a binome or a sprite, (laughs) the largest resident of mainframe. (laughs) He's gigantic. But Enzo finally makes his way through a door, which just happens to be the perfect door. It's got his name on it and everything. Even more binomes are waiting inside. Or rather outside, because he's on stage. (laughs) And the countdown begins to celebrate his birthday. Surprise! Everyone stops surprised. We get a binary countdown, and Enzo upgrades from a 0-1 to a 1-0. Mike wishes him a happy birthday, and we start the show. Which, apparently the show is his older sister being really seductive. Yeah, this is where things get a little weird. (laughs) Dot's present to Enzo is to put on a slinky dress and sing a sultry song. And he's into it. Like His eyes are wide, his mouth is open, he can't stop staring at his sister, and I am uncomfortable. You're the best. It is a little weird. Yeah. When she's singing to Bob or the binomes offstage, it's great. Right. But here it just comes a little creepy. <laughs> the whole part where she's singing to <laughs> she's singing to Enzo in the beginning, it's a little weird. He's apparently having some conflicted feelings himself. So, <laughs> I do like, though, so way in the beginning when we first saw that Dot was putting all this on, mm-hmm. uh, you see her actually choosing the red dress instead of a blue dress. Oh. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't catch that, but yeah, no, that's right. So she she wanted the the slinky red one. She was like, she had this planned. <laughs> she did. So beyond the little weird part with Enzo, which we'll kind of glaze over, I think. <laughs> it was uh, the 90s. It was a different time. <laughs> she does also do a little seduction move with Bob, where he even closes his eyes for the kiss. And she just pushes him away. We should mention she's definitely doing the Jessica Rabbit scene from who framed roger rabbit oh she's totally doing the jessica rabbit scene but either way when she finishes her song and dance elvis comes out but before he can do anything zerg crashes the party 
It's Megabyte, and he's got everyone all there at once. What is he going to do? He just has one question for everybody. Are you ready to rock? <laughs> I'm ready to rock. Giant speakers form, Hack and Slasher on drums, and Megabyte arrives in a coffin, which opens, and he starts shredding on guitar. drum kit for hack and slash is rotating around them in some crazy circle and he's here to melt some faces so he cranks it to 11 everyone has to duck because man that's way too loud but um so yeah bob joins him on stage pulls out his bfg and they guitar battle this was so great okay so i know we're gonna ignore the fact that it makes zero sense <laughs> and just look at like the actual music and like watching these two characters like do this guitar battle was really fun like i had a fun time it's so ridiculous yeah there's some fun shots here too with megabyte dance walking and then there's like a stabilized guitar shot the crowd loses their minds and megabyte's just like huh, always wanted to do that <laughs> he hands enzo his his uh guitar is like happy birthday kid and then like Leaves in his limo as Mike reads him off stage. Megabyte has left the building. He drives off in a limo and it's just smashed to credits. <laughs> and that's it. That's our show. Wait. So I feel like we had a lot of feelings on this episode. Uh, you want to start? Sure. So it's a weird one. It's definitely a weird one. This is so strange. I think that if we take it out of the context of any kind of plot mm-hmm. or <laughs> anything like that, it's fun. It's super fun. Um, we probably could have gotten rid of that whole first scene of the acrobats and, yeah, the auditioning. Like, it was... Those that goes guys are not fun. The second scene where we actually get good acts, like the primitives and the VSMP song, mm-hmm. like that was super fun, and I totally could have watched more of that. <laughs> and then the ending, like the guitar battle, was just straight up metal. That was bonkers. <laughs> the skeleton hands and the coffin, like the episode was a filler episode for sure. Like there's no getting around that, but it was a fun filler episode. Yeah, I'm, I was not sure what to make of it. Like, similarly to the D&D one, like, it was largely comprised of just quick gag clips, which could be hit or miss, you know? Megabyte just really wanting to party made me laugh. <laughs> but it definitely <laughs> felt out of character, and uh, Enzo's voice threw me off. You know, I thought it was odd that he wasn't replaced between seasons. But overall, like, I'm not sure if it worked for me or didn't work for me. Like, it just felt like a fever dream. <laughs> and I spent most of the episode going, what am I watching (laughs) it felt very out of character for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. it just like if we're looking at like you know here's the arc of the seasons it doesn't feel like it fits in there but it it feels like they took the characters that they had and just had a fun time with it which like i guess i'm okay with (laughs) yeah i mean like the money for nothing and the ymca bits were funny dot sexy song was weird and the guitar battle was just bonkers um it was just a mind fuck it was all over the place I even watched it again to see if it held up better on a rewatch, but it was still just as strange. I definitely think that it gets like major points for the parts that shown for me. I'd probably rate it over last week's episode. Really? Yeah, but I wouldn't think of it as part of like the canon. I mean, it's canon, but it's not like canon. <laughs> I would think of it like the musical episode of Buffy, where it's just like no one actually sings every day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But overall, pretty good. Pixelacious! So what do we have for bits and bites this week? All right, so our first bit and bite is to say goodbye, Jesse Moss, and hello, Matthew Sinclair. <laughs> we hardly knew you, Jesse. So Matthew Sinclair is going to stick with us for a little while, so you don't have to get worried about having whiplash with too many voices. <laughs> uh, next we have Emma. 
Uh, Emma is obviously supposed to be a reference to the broadcast standards and practices that they've had to deal with throughout. Yep. Even getting so far as the village people, who are these small town binomes, <laughs> singing BSNP, the song. I thought it was kind of ironic that she actually did approve of the village people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, they want to have fun with no danger. <laughs> we get little references. We get William Shatner, Elvis, Michael mm-hmm. Jackson, various background people. So you mentioned the character that we see that's a funny looking guy that says, certainly, sir, will 64 gallons be sufficient? Right. This is actually a reference to uh, the movie Forbidden Planet. There's a robot in Forbidden Planet called Robbie the Robot. Okay. One of the... Americans that have landed on this planet uh, is woefully low on bourbon (laughs) and asks the robot if he has any. So the robot takes a swig of the bourbon and says, huh, I think I can make this. Would 60 gallons be sufficient? (laughs) Oh, so we also get a spinal tap reference with the uh, crank it to 11. Yes, we do. Uh, This one goes all the way up to 11. We've got the dire straits. (laughs) We get dire straits, which, yes. uh, So the music video was one of the first to feature early computer animation Mm -hmm. uh, that illustrated the lyrics. It was created by Mainframe. Oh, yeah. So the actual, the music video for Money for Nothing was created by Ian Pearson and Gavin Blair. Yeah. So the giant binome mm-hmm. sprite robot that we see originally the ones that aired in canada he also had the ytv logo stamped across him okay uh but those are actually removed for the american airings so we didn't really get to see those oh okay the guitar that uh, megabyte jams out to is a reference to the bc rich guitar the warlock which is pretty badass looking okay and then we also get BFG. So BFG, in addition to being a trope, uh, is a reference to the big fucking gun that you get in Doom. Right. Except this time, it's a big fucking guitar. (laughs) And that's our bits and bytes for today. So let's talk about the game. All right. So the only thing that I could really come up with was modern day ones. So it really reminded me of the new Mario Kart. Uh, There's a version in there where you're all like running around with your different carts. Like one of you is cops and one of you is robbers or you're all trying to get a ball or something like that. But I couldn't really find any older games uh, that I thought it really reminded me of. What about you, Ben? Um, The only thing that really came to mind for me was possibly like Super Monkey Ball. And even that, I admit, I haven't really played that much of. But like just, yeah, like a fun Mario Kart type party game. I think it could be a lot of fun. I think I would definitely play it. I like the flipping panels, the weird waffle phone car designs. It was so strange, but I think it was it could be a lot of fun like in that setting. I would definitely play it. I was getting a kick out of the flipping panels. I thought that was such a fun idea. Like I really wish it was a real game that I could play. (laughs) And you're right. I think party game is exactly it like you need like four people at least to be yeah roaming around this thing <laughs> exactly it, it, it definitely did feel like a version of mario kart with like where you all have like that goal and you're all trying to fight for it i really want to know where those designs for the race cars came from because now if we're talking about circuit racing it's like so is it just are they phones or are they supposed to be something else like old handheld landline phones they certainly looked like phones i was trying to get a feel for how they work exactly so obviously you need to have it up in order to catch the ball right you gotta touch it but if you have it up at the wrong turn you can go flying off the cube which we see at one of the binomes do <laughs> so you gotta time it just right yeah which is kind of fun i can see that really going wrong a lot oh boy and a lot of swearing and throwing the controller you know? <laughs> the problem really comes when you get too many players and you've got like only that one little portion of the screen because mm-hmm. you, ha- you got to play this couch co-op you can't do this online <laughs>
We kind of already talked about the space tennis game, right? With Yeah. Um so the only thing it really reminded me of video game wise was pretty much Pong or tennis. Yeah. But there's no real like Ender's game version. Extreme. <laughs> yeah, where you're in space. If you guys know about one though, let us know. I think it could be kind of fun. Definitely. Uh kind of like one of those games where you just don't want to think about it and just yeah. you know, pass the time. But well, probably not something I would seek out. No. This is wrong. This is all wrong. So, in this episode, did you happen to find yourself a frosty moment? A frosty moment? A frosty moment. Uh, so, my favorite parts were probably the musical numbers. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the primitives. I thought they were super fun. I really enjoyed the small town binomes doing BSMP. I thought that was super fun. <laughs> Dot does not win my frostiest moment simply because of the weird ancestral <laughs> overtones. Uh <laughs> The frostiest moment has got to be the guitar battle. Megabyte rocking out was like so much fun. I was just like having fun and enjoying myself watching it. Like that was <laughs> Megabyte and his guitar frostiest moment for sure. So yeah, this one had a lot of odd moments for me, including the Jessica Rabbit scene and the guitar battle. But for me, the frostiest moment is going to be hard for you to make a gif out of because it's partially audio-based, and it's that weird sitcom jingle that plays at the end of Megabyte's first scene. (laughs) It's such an odd choice. But for something visual, um, there is that moment during the guitar battle, so it works for both of us, actually. So just after Bob gets his guitar and the bots say holy moly, where Megabyte starts playing and like jerkily walking towards the camera. That's like my favorite visual (laughs) scene in there. So Megabyte wins two frosty moments. Man, that guy's raking in the awards. Do we have any feedback this week, Ben? Uh, We've got a couple emails, uh, one from Carl and one from Amy. Um, They're both just, you know, nice little emails. I'm not going to read them all out to you, but, you know, basically they found the podcast. They've really been enjoying listening and catching up. So Carl says that he was a huge fan back in the day. Uh, He's a 3D animator at a small studio, so they would religiously start their week watching a recording on their internal network. And they loved all the references that, you know, only geeks in the industry would catch. And uh, so Amy says that she came across us uh, through Gavin on Twitter. And uh, she just says she's been really enjoying it. So thanks, guys, for reaching out to us. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Carl. We really appreciate getting these little notes. It's super fun. Uh, we're really glad you're enjoying the show. We got a couple questions on Twitter, too. We did. Uh, so we put a call out like we normally do. Just FYI, we normally record on Thursdays, and we will usually let you know ahead of time once we've watched the episode. Uh, so if you've got questions or comments or stuff you want us to talk about, let us know, and we'll we'll try and do that. Uh, so we had Uncle Chunt on Twitter, who's at Uncle Chunt on Twitter, <laughs> ask us, in the infancy of the internet that wasn't always readily available, how long did it take you to learn what the 01001 joke actually meant? So it took me until yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't bother to look it up. I definitely did not know what the joke was when it first aired. Um, not even when I really got back into Reboot in college. I certainly didn't bother looking it up at the time. So yeah, I learned what it actually was yesterday <laughs> and then we also had a uh, kimura who's a uh, regular at Magoose on twitter he gave us a great new act idea for the talent show uh an acting troupe puts on a badly written story about a group of users that descend into cyberspace to fight a viral infection msc automatically approves it because it's kid-friendly 
I think I might know what you're referencing here, Kimura. (laughs) But again, I haven't watched all 10 episodes yet. I'll get back to you when I do. (laughs) So Nolan Hayes says that um, this whole episode was apparently done to change Enzo's model because they kept clipping through his shoulder pads. However, on the very next episode, apparently they clipped through on that one too. Don't worry, Enzo. You'll get a good model later. It'll happen. So again, if you want to reach out to us, you can either visit our website, IncomingGameCast.com, and drop us a line. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter at IncomingGamePod, or on Facebook, which is also Incoming Gamecast. And yeah, just let us know what you think. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, we love hearing from you. It's always super fun. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. So, Jessica, do you have anything you want to recommend this week? Yeah, I'm going to recommend a little show on Netflix called Reboot. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I am going to be recommending a Netflix TV series. Normally, I like to try and keep my recommendations kind of indie, but I watched a really good show called On My Block. It's kind of Freaks and Geeks meets The Goonies for modern day. It was really good. The kids that they get for this, and most of them are kids. Uh, There is one 31-year-old that plays a kid, but she's also amazing. Uh, And it follows the journey of Monse, Jamal, Caesar, and Ruby as they navigate high school and possible gang problems and also a buried treasure. It's really good, and I really recommend it. What about you, Ben? I'd like to recommend the comics publisher Fantagraphics Books. They put out a lot of good quality stuff, including uh, Daniel Klaus, who you might know from Ghost World and uh, various other great graphic novels. Uh, they do. They put out Love and Rockets by the Hernandez Brothers, which has also been going on for years and years. But specifically, there's a Norwegian cartoonist called Jason, and most of his comics are just these anthropomorphic animals with these like dead-eyed stares. A lot of the comics are wordless, or at least his early ones, a lot of them were uh, mimed. So it was just pictures, so anybody in any language could read them. But he's done a lot of more dialogue-driven works lately. But they're a lot of fun. They're really deadpan humor. Uh, if you can find ones like Why Are You Doing This, The Left Bank Gang, there's a lot. He has a pretty good chronology, and they're all really short and easy-to-read books from uh, Fantagraphics. Uh, so if you look up Jason, cartoonist, you'll find them. Awesome. I'm always for more comics. And so what are we looking at next week? All right. So we actually put up a poll on our Twitter account because we weren't sure how to handle next week. Next week is our first two-parter, Identity Crisis Part 1. As the fans demand it, we will, in fact, do two episodes. So one episode of the podcast per episode of the TV series. But Identity Crisis Part 1, we get to see like kind of a moving forward of the overarching plot between the fact that they have a virus in their computer and they're trying to kick it out. And we will get to see the most feared game throughout mainframe fun home what what (laughs) (laughs) more on that next week all right sounds like fun yeah it should be so catch us next week uh the usual places if you want to follow me in addition to following the website you can follow me at stervino lady that's s-t-i-r-v-i-n-o and that's on facebook on twitter on instagram all that jazz. Yep, you can catch me at, at Dudworks or Dudworks Art on Facebook, Dudworks.com, variety of places. Kevin McLeod did our theme song, Spasmatica Polka. And for our next act, uh, we've got Jessica with, uh, what do you got there, Jess? I am juggling. Are you juggling in this audio format? Uh, nobody's going to be able to see this. Trust me, it's really impressive. There's like 10 balls in the air right now. Oh, wow. Oh, I hope everybody's getting this. Guys, All right. if you're not seeing this, you're missing out. Trust me. <laughs> All right. Until next week, stay frosty, everyone.
Game over. User wins.